Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Take your Bibles this morning, open them to Mark chapter 8. We've been expositing this great gospel throughout the, the months, and of course we come to a very pivotal chapter towards the end of it, where Jesus tells us the cost and the consequences of following Jesus. Follow along as I read our text, starting in verse 34. It reads there, it says, And he, speaking about Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. Father, we again come to a, a passage of Scripture that, that checks our hearts. Your word rightly challenges our thoughts and actions. It examines with the, the truth in which it brings. And the question is, where are we with you? What is our standing? Are we all in? Are we playing a game? Are we lukewarm? The cost and the consequences following you are very clearly laid out. And I pray for the Spirit's help as we go through this, that the Spirit will either confirm or convict our souls in light of what the Word of God says. Be with your under-shepherd. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, we were able to zero in on what it means to follow or be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We considered the cost, not a cost that the world says should be the cost. 
not what the church says should be the cost, but from the very one who has saved and redeemed us. Jesus Christ himself clearly laid out the cost of being a disciple of him. And he simply said there in verse 34, in order to be his disciple, you must, imperative, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. This is the call that forsakes self and leaves everything behind to follow Jesus Christ. Of course, we noted that he gave us three imperatives to governing this cost, this understanding of what it means to be a true disciple. And he simply, just by way of reminder, he simply said, you must deny yourself. Maybe probably one of the most hardest things outside of Christ because we're so wrapped up in ourselves and in our own selfishness and our own self-desires. But for you to come in faith and repent of your sins, the work of the Spirit within your soul causes you to deny self. To deny yourself means to refuse to acknowledge yourself. It means to put yourself aside. It means to abandon your selfishness. And in self's place, the Lord Jesus Christ takes over. He sits on the throne room of your life. Not only is he your Savior, he's your King, your Lord, and all devotion goes to him. Second imperative there in verse 34 was that Jesus said to pick up your cross. Of course, we looked at that. It means to, to suffer and have trials, knowing that and following and being sold out for Christ, there will be situations in your life where you will have a load to carry. Ultimately, it means to die to self. It's an understanding that the gospel has saved you and a call to die to self, and in turn, you live for the glory of God. It's about wearing the gospel of grace and not being ashamed of it. Third imperative was simply a call to follow him, to trust and obey him. With self off the throne, room of your life, Jesus rightly takes his seat on your throne, room of your heart, and you follow his truth and you obey it. And the word of God becomes your authority. And it's truth in which it teaches. It's, it's our desire to follow because of our great love for him. Christianity, beloved, is being a disciple who follows and obeys the Lord Jesus Christ with a constant denial of self and a radical obedience to follow Jesus. And question is, Why? Why would anybody take that radical call to, to follow Christ and say, yes, I will give everything that I have and follow him? Competing with that, those imperatives are our own souls. And, and the thought is, at least from the world, says, why not do your own thing? 
Why not live the way you want to live? And why would anybody want to take your cross, which, by the way, is an instrument of humility and shame, and, and, and pick it up and follow him? I mean, why begin this obedience knowing that the end result of the one you follow says that he will be rejected by men, crucified, and hung on a tree, on a cross? Why would you follow him? I mean, why get in line to follow the one who's going to his death? I mean, it makes sense. Why wouldn't you want to follow something that would give you kind of a cushier life? a more comfortable direction, a, a satisfaction that's, that, that's going to be a little bit easier. Why would anybody say yes to this? Knowing that there would be questions within the heart of the soul, what falls in verses 35 to 38 are the reasons why. The reason why, the consequences of following Christ our passage this morning is the answer to all the why questions that anyone would ask or maybe even creep into your mind of why Jesus is Lord and why Jesus is supreme and why Jesus gives such a radical call for your life to pick up your cross and follow him and deny yourself. By the way, I, Jesus could have very easily ended this chapter in verse 34 because of his divine authority in calling and redeeming and saving he could have said this is the call this is the cost in the story but instead I, I love our Lord because he knows his creation he knows what he's calling for people to follow him that there's going to be some questions and he graciously reasons with us and gives us the reasons why you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Now, before we dive into these reasons or consequences to follow Christ, I want you to notice that, that, that what starts each one of these verses. Look at verse 35. It says 4, 36, 4, 37, 4, 38, 4. In the Greek, it's the little conjunction, gar. It is explanatory conjunction, which means that the call that he gives, the imperatives that he just gave us in verse 34, it, these are the reasons why. He's explaining to us why we do these things. And so what are these reasons? In your outline, I grouped them up in three categories for us to grasp the truth. And the first reason why you would want to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow Jesus is because if you do so and you lose your life in this world, in the end, you will save it. Look again at verse 35. It reads there, it says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. 
when it comes to this radical call, understanding the cost to follow Christ, either you're all in or you are all out. There's no middle ground here. Much like we've seen Jesus in, in other parables as he has taught in his, in, his, in his word, in his lifetime, you have the separation of the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. There is a definitive difference between two groups of people. And what Jesus is saying is that either you are saved by doing these three imperatives, applying them to your life, or you are lost. I mean, he puts it in a paradoxical way. He says, save your life, you will lose it, but lose your life, you will save it. Two extreme polar opposites. The first option reads, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. That first word for saved in verse 35, it means to save your life for yourself. A desire of, of self-preserving way. That is, if you want to keep your life for your own selfish purposes. It speaks about controlling your life. And allowing and calling Christ, even though you have some type of semblance around Christ, you desire to put him on the back burner. Literally, it comes down to the reality of it all, is that you refuse to submit your life to Christ. This person will trust in himself, merit, hoping that maybe there's some goodness in, in, in the day of judgment and allowing God to, to allow them to come in. They, they are so proud of self that they think that they got this life figured out. And Jesus says immediately in our verse that this person, this one who refuses to bow to Christ, will lose it, will lose your life. Like I said, there's no exceptions to this. The word for, for lose here literally means to be destroyed. You desire to save your life for your own purposes. In the end, you will be utterly destroyed. Your own self, desire and pursuits will result with you being destroyed. You will lose your life not only presently, but also eternally. You will suffer damnation in hell forever. You will lose your soul. When you think about that reality, how heavy that is. I think you would agree with me, that is the greatest tragedy of all, to lose your life and spend eternity in hell. There's another side to this paradox. Jesus continues in verse 35 by saying, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And what Jesus is saying is that if you submit to the three imperatives in verse 34, where you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him, 
where Jesus is, is Lord of your life and you submit to him and his word, you will save it. To lose your life is to deny yourself. That's what, it, what he's telling us. To lose your life means to pick up your cross. To lose your life is to follow Jesus and not equivocate to what the world says. You're all in. This is the heart of one who has surrendered to Christ, and that person lives for Christ and his gospel. You die to self, and you live for Christ. And the result of this, Jesus says, you will save it. He's not talking about you being a co-savior. The redemption is only complete in him. What he's talking about in the end, at the day of judgment, you will find yourself with him in eternity. He is saying because of the gospel, because of this good news of Christ's redemption in your soul, you will be saved based on his righteous merit and your self-denial of self. Speaking about his toning work on the cross, that he shed his blood for your soul. He's saying that if you repent and believe in that, you will be saved. And you will be placed in his grace and his forgiveness and receive his mercy. In other words, if you would give your life to Christ, where you repent and turn from your sins, and by faith embrace Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus will redeem you. He will redeem your life and save it. And in turn, in this life, he gives it back to you. I mean, that is so radical. When you think about salvation, when you think about about the grace of Christ and everything that he has done, yes, it will cost you everything. But in his kindness, he says, in turn, I'm going to give your life back to you. And he desires for us to live for him with all of our, our, our effort and our devotion and our desires. Remind you again, we, we saw this first last week, but to remind you what the apostle Paul, excuse me, Paul shouts out in our ears when he says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and is no longer I who live. Denial to self. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Listen, the greatest thing that you can do for your life is to lose it. But not just to lose it for the world's sake, but to lose it for Christ's sake. To lose it for the cause and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 25 and 26, he says, the one who loves his life loses it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Pretty simple reason. The first reason or consequence why we must follow Christ is because if we don't, 
we'll lose our life for eternity. But if we do, we gain eternity. By the way, this is not a ball and chain type of a deal. For the one who has denied self and picked up his cross and followed Jesus, this is something that is so rich. The world looks at this as a ball and chain type of an interaction. They look at it as this is such a heavy weight. Why would you get, throw your life away for Jesus? And simplicity of this, everyone who has done that, there is utter joy in your life. Have you noticed that? There's utter complete happiness knowing that he's got everything in control, that I can face trials, I can face life with hope. Why? Because he's in control. He's sovereign. And we do that with great joy. We are satisfied in all that Christ is and all that Christ calls us to do. There's a second reason why we must deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And that is that you will gain eternal life. He proposes two questions that are piercing to the soul and to the heart. Look at verse 36 and 37 with me. He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Two questions that stand tandem together, piercing our souls to, to, to answer what it asks. They are there to check your heart and, and the motives of your heart. The word profit here in the Greek means to benefit. And for the sake of argument, Jesus says, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world, but yet in the end lose his soul? That goes back to a remembrance of, of Satan coming to Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4. You remember that, that, that interaction and one of the last temptations that, that Satan threw before our Lord it was in verses 8 and 9 where it says, Again, the devil take, took him, Jesus, to a, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Of course, we know how Jesus responded to that and how foolish that would be. The devil's stupid. Can I say it that way? He's talking to the creator of all things who has all kingdoms already and foolishly offers something that he cannot give by proposing this idea of giving you the whole world and all of its possessions and all of its earthly kingdoms. It has the idea of owning it all. You would rather take all of that, which is temporal, and lose your soul for eternity? What kind of transaction is that? What benefit is that? We simply can say this, that it is utter foolishness. I mean, this is a bad deal to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul in the end. To have all the earthly treasures temporarily, but have no spiritual riches when it comes to eternality it is to suffer the greatest loss of all and understanding in comparison of what is being offered. 
the heart. Denying yourself, picking up your cross, following Christ is all about a heart decision. And by the way, you understand that your body will follow where your heart goes. Jesus had another interaction with a rich young ruler in Matthew 19, Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> it's a pertinent passage for us to consider in light of what is at stake. It reads there, starting in verse 16, it says, And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may attain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He's not talking about workspace salvation here. He's drawing this young man to a conclusion, as we will see. <clears throat> then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. Braggadocious, right? Pride. All these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Those imperatives in verse 34 are echoing throughout this passage. But here's one of the saddest verses in the scriptures. Verse 22 tells us this, but when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. It seemed like he wanted Christ. <clears throat> seemed like he wanted everything that Christ had to offer until Jesus puts the his finger on his heart. He put his finger on what truly was Lord of his life, and that was his possessions. When I think about that passage, I mean, it's, it's foolish to think that one is able to keep the, the whole law without sin. Yet this young man in his pride, pridefulness, he, he thought he did, and then Jesus drives the dagger in his his self-righteous heart and says, if you want to be complete, if you want eternal life, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Simply put, his riches, his things meant more to him than eternal life. It's not that Jesus was, was saying these things, that selling these things would, would earn you heaven. But what he is saying, that in order for you to, to receive eternal life, Jesus must have all of your heart. He must have your devotion, and you must have self-denial. When you look at that, I think it's, simple to say this, a simple truth, the simple principle is that it's not wrong to have things, 
But it is wrong to have things that have you. It is wrong to have, it's not wrong to have things. It's okay to have, God blesses, right? But it is wrong to have those things have your heart and your devotion and your love for Christ. The apostle John said it this way in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Simple truth, a separation from the world, a separation from things, knowing that those things can't save you, only Christ. Back to our passage in Mark chapter 8. Jesus goes on with another question. Verse 37 says, For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He just boils it down. What do you think out there is far worth for you to keep instead of giving your soul to Christ? You think about that. Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it money? Possessions? A house? What are you willing to exchange for your soul. What can you gain that's better, that is best than Jesus Christ? Do you think that you can stand toe-to-toe with a holy God and reason your way to heaven. This is why the Gospels are here. This is why Christ is proclaimed. This is his purpose and direction, is to die for you, to atone for our sins and to atone for your sins. I have friends who, who think that they can, in the end, reason with God. Listen. When you stand before a holy God, you will utterly melt. That is why Jesus clearly gives us the way of salvation. That is why you must repent and believe in Jesus Christ and deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. That is the only way that you may receive eternal life. reasons so far that Christ has given us to deny self and pick up the cross and follow him. That is because we will, in losing our life, gain it. And two, he gives eternal life in that transaction. The third and final reason, if you don't step is this. It's pretty much this. It's, it's that if you don't step out of the crowd and identify as a follower of Christ, he literally says you will be honored in the kingdom if you do so. Look at verse 38 with your eyes again. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in glory of his Father with his holy angels. I think we understand what the word ashamed means. It means to deny Christ. It means to be embarrassed, to be associated with Christ. It means having guilt. To be ashamed with with Christ 
And note it says, and his words, his truth, the word of God, is to be in association with the world and the world's ideologies. It is to have the, the world's applause and how you're living and how you're thinking. I think we could go on and on about how the challenging idea of the world trying to, to confront the word of God and get us to, to capitulate to an understanding of, uh, of maybe there's some reasoning with what God's word has said, and, 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 and so surely there's some wiggle room within the scriptures. Listen, there's no wiggle room there. He has declared it. He has said it. We are called to obey it. To be ashamed is to fear the repercussions of the world instead of fearing Christ and his word. So Jesus says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus will be ashamed of that denier when it comes time for the kingdom of God to show itself. When eternity is, is presented, when the, the, the last great judgment happens. And on that last time, when you stand before God, and you quickly realize you need an advocate. You need somebody to plead your case. And you look around. Jesus will be there. He will be advocating for those who are his. But for those who denied him or ashamed of him. He will say these haunting words, I never knew you. He clearly says this in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, did we, and not and in, in your name, cast out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Those are piercing words. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, and someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. Isn't that good enough, right? And you taught in our streets. 
And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place, there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. I mean, what a, what a passage, what a text, what a, what a just in-your-face type of, of scriptures. It simply says this, if you don't follow Christ, he will deny you on the last day and he will throw you out and you will not have a place in his kingdom. May I say this, Jesus, beloved, he's not asking for perfection. He's not asking you to be self-righteous that you can name all the things that you have done in yourself. He is looking for a submission that looks at Christ as being king and Lord of your life. And he's looking for one who is willing to walk in his ways and follow him. Listen, this is a, this is a passage that, that just burns deep into our soul. And it's simply Jesus is calling us to get Christianity right, to get Christ right, to understand what it costs, understand why the reasons why you should follow him. I mean, literally, how many more reasons do you need for Jesus to answer? For you to submit your heart to him. reading in the pages of history. The Emperor Charlemagne was the first medieval emperor that we know of the Holy Roman Empire. He ruled roughly around the 8th and 9th centuries. And when Charlemagne died, literally, he died on his throne with his crown on his head in the year of 1814. 180 years go by after his death. Officials of a different emperor, they, they open his vault. And what they found was amazing. Far more remarkable than all the treasures that were buried with him, as they opened his tomb, what they saw was a skeleton. The skeleton remains of a king still sitting on his throne. The crown still on his skull. And a copy of the Gospels in his lap. One finger pointing to this very passage, particularly in Mark 8, verse 36, where it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. Listen, beloved, Jesus is calling for a verdict here. He is cutting through all the, the mess that you have Christianity to be. He has narrowed it to terms that I think all of us can grasp. He's asking you, will you deny yourself? And pick up your cross and follow him. Will you understand the significance of understanding why you should repent and believe in Christ? And in so doing, be called a disciple of Christ. In so doing, be called a son of God.
as much as those who are in Christ Jesus will plead for your soul to do this, listen, it comes down to you and your own heart. Will you deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the, the truth and how it cuts through all our perceptions of what it means to follow you. Lord, you know our souls. You know exactly where each one of us who are ear, in ears length of hearing this message. You know what's, what's exactly wrestling within their hearts right now. For some, they, they smile. Why? Because they have considered the cost. And they have denied themselves, and they are devoted to you. For them, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you give them all the more vigor, the passion, the desire to stand up and proclaim the things of Christ. To be able to, to throw the good news into hearts that are waiting to hear this great hope. to be able to stand in the workplace, in our community, in our homes, and telling the world that we are all in for Jesus. For some, Lord, they, they understand that they haven't taken that necessary step Maybe they have reason in their heart that, yeah, this is, a, this is right, this is true. Christ is Lord. Christ is Savior. But maybe they haven't come all the way by denying self and rightly establishing your lordship in their life. Spirit, I pray that you draw them. May you push them. Help them to understand and grasp the, not only the seriousness of that commitment, but also the joy that one has when they're all in for Christ. And even for some who maybe are battling this truth, and they have lined up their reasons why they should not deny themselves, I pray that your word would convict the reasons, the, the consequences. May they weigh heavy on a heart. Break their resolve. Help them to submit. Spirit, we know you will do that. And we pray all these things knowing that you're a good word will not return void. And so use it in our hearts for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ who has died, who has resurrected, who has ascended, who is interceding on our behalf and will one day 
come back again. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.